Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. From the Grit Boyle studio at OPB, this is Think Out Loud. I'm Dave Miller. The Pac-12 implosion started last year with the defections of USC and UCLA. Colorado came next. And then over the last month, the bottom fell out. The universities of Oregon and Washington jumped ship, followed by Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. That leaves only four schools in the conference next year, including Oregon State. It also leaves some huge questions. Should and can this quartet resuscitate the conference by luring other universities to join them? What are the alternatives and what does all this mean for student-athletes? Tyler Bilodeau is a sophomore at OSU and a forward on the men's basketball team. Scott Barnes is the athletic director of the university. I talked to them on Tuesday, but we couldn't air the conversation because of technical problems. So we're going to bring it to you now. I started with Scott Barnes. After USC, UCLA, and Colorado announced that they were leaving the Pac-12, there were, as I mentioned, a ton of questions about the future of the conference and a lot of speculation about what schools like the U of O would do. I asked him if he thought that five more schools would actually jump ship. Well, it it, uh, certainly was possible, but uh, as we got down to the very end, uh, we felt that... uh, we could hold that group together. And, and there was, uh, as has been chronicled, a very late in the game sort of last hour decision by by Washington, Oregon, which um, sort of was the house of cards for the, for the Pac-12 as, as we know it now. You've said that you were furious um, at, at, at one point about the unraveling of the league. Can you give us a sense for who or what was the object of your fury? Look, I, I think uh, as you think about what's happening in college athletics, uh, there's a lot of pieces that are uh, impacting, in, in this case, uh, could impact our student-athletes negatively. And, and it includes uh, uh, media um, companies who are making uh, influencing decisions um, that, that aren't for the good of a student-athlete. And when you have a opportunity that we had as a conference to stay together and uh, create a path forward that was uh, that was meaningful, um, and that that uh, sort of breaks up in the last hours. Um, you know, there there's uh, yeah, there's uh, challenges to that, and and my fury, as I said, it was really uh, about the entire situation and what what happens to our student athletes because of that now obviously as you think about moving forward um those energies are channeled to solutions and that's what we've been focused on since since the unraveling and we're going to turn we're going to turn to those solutions in in just a bit but i'm i'm i mean looking back now and doing a kind of post-mortem do you think that different Pac-12 leadership, for example, could have prevented this? Or were the, the market realities of a media deal and the desires of, of all these different schools, the conflicting desires of these different schools with different situations, was this inevitable? No, I don't think it, it was inevitable. I think that um, uh, being in tune to, to the needs of the conference, understanding the climate. I mean, certainly 
leadership was was uh, dealt a difficult deck uh, uh, was dealt a, a hand that wasn't uh, wasn't optimal uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, but at the end of the day, as leaders, we're counted on to to deliver, and that did not happen. Um, and I, I think as you look back, hindsight is twenty twenty. And and I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna pick apart uh, a bunch of the decisions that were made, but ultimately uh, it was a responsibility of conference leadership to deliver, and and uh, that that wasn't done. And and yes, uh, outside influence has a lot to do with that. Um, you, I don't think you can say it's any one uh, thing that impacted this. The, the there are a number of things, including media markets and and. Uh, uh, Technology companies, uh, both those uh, those uh, sectors were, were were really down, and, and the timing of all of this was was not optimal at all. But even more, the reason to have your eyes and ears uh, wide open to your members' uh, uh, interests and, and, and needs, and, and keeping it together. So lots of things contributed to this, Dave. That that uh, it's not necessarily one thing, but certainly. Leadership is a component of, of the failure. Tyler, what drew you to OSU when you were considering where to go to college and where to play college basketball? Um, well, I, I took my visits, and one of them was obviously Oregon State. And um, when I got there, I just really I felt like I had a really good connection with the coaching staff, and I felt like academically I could I could really do good there. And uh, it just it just was like a feeling a feeling deep down in my in my stomach. I got that it was it was right, and it it felt like home. And I I, I love the city of Corvallis, so it it just felt perfect for me. When you were deciding, how much did you think about the conference itself? I mean, the teams that you would be playing against and where they were. I mean, yeah, that that was really big. I wanted to play. I wanted to play in a Power Five conference and. You know, I I grew up watching the Pac-12. You know, being from being from the West Coast, so it was definitely a big one of the big reasons why I wanted to come here. This is maybe a hard question to answer, but would you have cho- chosen OSU a few years ago if you knew what was going to happen to the Pac-12? Ooh, um, yeah, I think. I mean, that's so hard. That is a hard question, but I think I still, I still would have. Came here, you know. I, I believe in, I believe in our, our coaches and our and our staff to, to do what's do what's right, do what's best for the school. So, yeah, I would say yeah. Hmm. Scott Barnes, OSU president, Murthy has said that quote preserving the Pac-12 is in the best interests of OSU student athletes and the remaining universities. Why is that? Why is trying to beef up? and preserve this particular conference the best path forward right now? Oh, there's all sorts of reasons. Uh, maintaining our, our uh, Power 5 or Autonomy 5 designation. Uh, the Actually, let me, let me stop you there because that's something that Tyler mentioned as well, and, and I think a lot of our listeners may not know what it is. So what does it mean to be a Power 5 conference? Yes, Power 5 or uh, Autonomy 5, as, as it's called, is, is the five conferences that currently reside and have a a different relationship with a college football playoff um uh, the designation really it, it comes with a extra set of uh 
um, resources that are being provided and that that although a threshold was not set prior there is uh, the the NSA transformation committee is is coming up with uh, uh, some additional uh, benefits for student athletes that we provide in the, in the neighborhood of healthcare mental health scholarships and we do provide all of that uh, access to the playoff uh, football playoff is certainly a large part of that in addition uh, the Autonomy Five or Power Five uh, has a pathway to legislation that impacts them specifically, unlike other divisions, lower division one, for instance, where budgets can be as, as mu uh, little as, you know, uh, $5 million to, to uh, $200 million at Power Five. Um, so, so there's a large discrepancy and um, difference between just division one, for instance, non-football playing to power five. And so there's legislative autonomy with that as well uh, as, as additional resources. Okay, so to boil that down, you're talking about in addition to the specific football related benefits of having access to the playoffs, there's also a lot of money on the line and more more autonomy, as you're noting. So, so that's that's one big reason to to beef up and stay in a new version of the pack, whatever the number might end up being. What are some other reasons? You you think about the foundation, Dave, of, of college athletics. It was built on regionality. It was built on regional rivalries. Um, and, and for the student athlete, geographically, um, keeping together those schools that are uh, in your in your geographic region to the best you can is important. The history and tradition of the Pac-12 is is still relevant. Keeping that together certainly important. Using the four members uh, it, to to attract additional. Uh, members is is our best path forward as it relates to that. Um, not our not our only path forward, but our best path forward. So, what is your what are your conversations like right now with your counterparts at Stanford or Cal at Berkeley or Washington State? Yeah, I, you know, as as uh, Stanford is is continuing to evaluate options. Um, they are engaged with conversation with us, uh, as is Cal, uh, not as uh, as much as, as Washington State is. Um, Washington State and Oregon State um, tend to be uh, joined at the hip more. Why? Because, uh, you know, we're, we're similar in, in market size and in opportunities and options. Um, I, I should so say for yes, people who haven't been paying attention that, that, that Stanford is talking seriously about joining the ACC, which, just as a reminder, stands for Athletic, uh, sorry, Atlantic Coast Conference, um, throwing aside your concerns about regionality. Yeah, so so back to the to the point um, when when your your question as it relates to us discussing um, what are we having in conversations about um, those two schools are uh, yes they're engaged but but they also have uh, options they're considering so we're uh, in a parallel path and that's uh, four of us um, uh, working together at some level and and two of us Washington State and and Oregon State working together uh, in both instances. Uh, 
trying to rebuild the Pac-12 in one instance with four, uh, uh, a bit easier task, not easy at all, but easier um, than, than having two, um, and all for the reasons stated earlier. Right. I mean, if if Stanford and Cal were to leave as well, um, does at what point does it become insurmountable? Yeah, you know, questions have to be answered in terms of our rights as, as a conference to vote from a voting block uh, and, and what consistent what what uh, members make up a quorum to uh, the assets in the Pac-12 and what what assets we we uh, may have are entitled to or, or a portion of uh, all those things. The the um, as an example, the autonomy five designation, which uh, stays with our conference unless the NSA board of governors creates legislation and votes to change it. So uh, those are reasons why you keep this together. And the answers that we receive relative to some of the, the things I just mentioned will help uh, inform our path forward um, as it relates to, uh, you know, how, how long we hang on. And and uh, where we go from here. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the sudden implosion of the Pac-12 Athletic Conference and what it means for Oregon State University, which is one of the remaining four schools. And I should note that we're talking about next season. It is still the Pac-12 um, for the season that is about to start. Tyler Bilodeau is a sophomore on the men's basketball team. Scott Barnes is the athletic director for the university. Scott, what are some of the other schools that are in the mix right now in terms of being added or asking to join or being asked to join the Pac-12? Yeah, we won't, we won't, won't talk about the specific schools, um, uh, but, but I'll tell you that um, you know, our options continue to be looking and, and having essentially invitations to a group of five schools, which is a level down. Uh, we're all the power five power five um, conferences along with five group of five conferences make up uh, what we call FBS football bowl subdivision. And in that group of five, uh, there are several invitations for us to join the group of five, uh, which is at, at the uh, um, non autonomy five level. As it relates to specific schools, I won't discuss specific schools other than to say uh, that certain region, regionality play continues to play a, a key role in this to the best we, we can. And uh, we'll continue those conversations moving forward. Tyler, you know, we, we've heard the, the word football a lot so far in this conversation um, for obvious reasons. That's where the, the most money is generated and the most attention is paid. Basketball is, especially with, you know, in March is, I, I think it has to be second place. So it's not like you're playing a sport that has very little TV interest. Um, there, there are other sports that uh, where people work really hard, you know, devote their lives and, and um, really enjoy what they're doing, um, but don't have, just don't play sports that generate money for corporations in the same way. Yours is sort of is, is in the middle, but I'm just wondering what it's like as a non-football athlete at a college now to be so tied to what happens because of football. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. I think a lot of the, a lot of the other sports don't, they they have a lot of uncertainty and a lot of questions, 
I think, but I think the biggest one would be like traveling, you know, cause football, football only plays once a week so they can do it. But a lot of, a lot of these other sports have like multiple games a week and that makes really, really long travel weeks. And, you know, especially if you're going all, all the way across, across the country quite a bit. So yeah, I think that's, that's one of the biggest things. And then, yeah, just, you know, I think like, I don't know if like rowing, I don't think every school has rowing. So, you know, that's like a question too there. So I think the, yeah, there's just a lot of uncertainty for those sports. How would you feel about traveling, say, to Texas or Louisiana? Those are those are states that have universities that have been mentioned in recent articles as maybe being on the invite list. Tulane or Rice or SMU. How would you feel about going, you know, two thirds of the way across the country or more to play conference games? Um, I think I don't think it would be. Like too crazy. We only play. We only play two games a week. So, so but I know I don't really like long plane rides, but you know we we would do it. So, I think I think it wouldn't be too bad for basketball. But I know for sports like like baseball, they play they play a lot of games a week. So that that'd probably be pretty hard on them. Hmm. Scott Barnes, you've had a lot of meetings with student athletes like Tyler, with alumni, staff, and others in the last few weeks. I know. Can you give us a, a range for the sentiment you've been hearing? Sure. Yeah, I think I think from a student athlete uh, perspective, and Tyler um, shared some of his perspective is, is travel concerns um, and, and competing at the highest level. Um, our student athletes uh, want to compete at the highest level, and, and that's uh, that's our twenty four seven job is to put us in the in the highest and best uh, place for, for competition. So, um, you know, I think there's uh, what we're hearing from alumni is is uh, sadness and concern about this uh, Pac-12, the history and legacy um, that that uh, this conference has had for over 100 years that, that's being broken up. And, and um, all are, are waiting um, and, and uh, for clarity, uh, as we are in some respects, right? We're all waiting for clarity on on what that path forward is. What do you think this could mean for recruiting? Well, let me give you an example. Um, you know, we, we look at this last year when um, the talk all year has been conference expansion. We lost UCLA, USC, uh, more discussion about other schools leaving. And during that time, I don't know of any any recruits we've lost um, because of that. Now, fast forward, and obviously this is a different circumstance, but let me share one more anecdote for you, and then I'll, I'll, I'll tie a bow around it. We had two of our top recruits in our history in volleyball on that Friday that all of this broke apart. Uh, and last week, those two recruits uh, committed to come to Oregon State. Why? A lot of reasons that Tyler mentioned, um, the comfort, the, the culture of this place, the facilities, the people that walk the hallways, the coaches, the leadership. Now, all of that uh, is really important. And I think Trump's conference alignment, but conference alignment certainly plays a role. So the impact moving forward is yet to be determined. Uh, but our coaches, uh, all of us are leaning into this special place that is Oregon State. And uh, in many instances, the decisions that are being made by recruits are about uh, their, their fit and feel for this place, uh, which is special. 
How likely do you think it is that there will be civil war games, UFO, OSU games, football games, every year going forward? I think it's uh, it is yet to be determined just based on our path forward. And so we'll look at all all of the um, circumstances. Um, and, and at the end of the day, uh, what do we need to fill our schedule? How do we how does that look? Uh, you know, Oregon's got their own, um, you know, their own changes and what they're doing in, the, in, in, in their path forward. So uh, yet to be determined um, uh, in, in terms of how that schedule works out. Is there any way that you could see this cataclysm, which obviously you're still in the middle of, and there's a lot of messiness and and questions still to answer, but on the other side of it, is there any possibility that you could actually be at a better place where you just are bowing out of the the most purely money-focused aspect of of athletics and and you know i guess you, just, you don't have to be in that world because you that world has sort of left you are there any benefits to that for the overall enterprise here which is education and and student athletes as opposed to pre-professional athletes that are a, a way for a lot of already rich corporations to make even more money from student sports it's a long question, but I'm just wondering if there's if there's any bright side here. Yeah, what did what did you refer to it as pre pre what? Um, oh well, I I was saying um, I was saying the, the emphasis did you the say emphasis I did the emphasis again. Yeah, let, on, let me just add, no, let me answer that pre yeah. pre professional. Ninety five, ninety eight percent of our student athletes are here for a holistic education that grounds them. Uh, with with life skills and experience that sets them up for for the next phase in their life, and what we want to do is provide the highest and best opportunity to do that with the most resources to do that for 560 student athletes. Pre-professional is nonsense. Well, the, I, I would even say that is nonsense. Well. I guess I, I appreciate your pushback, and let me just try to explain what I mean. When when there are uh, because I, I I have a feeling that the people who are tuning in to watch football and who care the most about conferences, many of them do see the tiny subset of athletes who end up on television or who end up in the national championship. Um, I think it's not uncommon for people to see them as pre professional, and and it it also seems to me. That the because of the, where the money is, so much focus is on is on a tiny piece of college athletics, and my question is 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 it possible that that focus can warp the overall enterprise, which is very very different? That that's the heart of my question. Look, um, college athletics has been successful. Uh, it's it's the largest financial aid program in the history of the United States, save for the GI Bill. It's created uh, numerous Fortune 500 CEOs uh, who participated in, in college athletics and, and, and moved on. Uh, football revenues uh, support all of our programs, yes, 17 sports programs, football revenues support those programs. Even thinking about, Dave, football and football student athletes, only one or two percent of them uh, move forward to professionalism. So to, to suggest that is, is, is I think, is wrong. Um, as it relates to this enterprise, yes, um, 
football drives the train, let me give you a couple uh, scenarios that that I think we're going to hear more about as we think about moving forward in college athletics. The Knight Commission, which is a think tank for college athletics, in 2020 proposed separating football uh, from uh, all other sports uh, because, of, for one thing, what what, tra- uh, what Tyler said, which is football travels once a week, everybody else travels multiple times. So might there be a path forward that separates football uh, as as a conference affiliation from the other sports, uh, having other sports reside more regionally, uh, while football perhaps uh, could could be played at, at a more national level because of the structure, including the playing uh, the playing schedule. So you know, those are things as we think uh, forward on how to retool what we're seeing, particularly because of conference realignment. Um, it's a new day. And, and the uh, influence of media, big media in it, uh, sort of begs the question, might we um, recalibrate uh, how we're essentially set up? And, and so I think that that Knight, uh, Knight Commission report in 2020 has resurfaced here in the last week. And I think that needs to be reviewed and taken seriously as a, a potential path forward. Not gonna happen tomorrow, but I think over the next few years, I, that that certainly could have some traction in how we think about college athletics. Scott Barnes and Tyler Bilodeau, thanks very much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Scott Barnes is the athletic director of Oregon State University. Tyler Bilodeau is a sophomore on the men's basketball team. We talked earlier this week. Tomorrow on the show, for years, Portland has been the only city of its size in the country in which police officers did not wear body cameras. That is finally changing. 150 officers are wearing them right now as part of a 60-day pilot project. We'll get the details on the next Think Out Loud. Our production staff includes Elizabeth Castillo, Roly Hernandez, Gemma DiCarlo, senior producer Allison Frost, and managing producer Shiraz Sadiq. Nalene Silva engineers the show. Our technical director is Stephen Cray, and our executive producer is Sage Van Wing. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on NPR's app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. Have a great day. Think Out Loud is supported by... Stephen Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation.
So much of what we talk about on this show has to do with what's happening right now. But there's a lot of history behind these conversations. OPB's Salmon Wars podcast will give you insights into some of that history. It tells the story of one Yakima Nation family that's been fighting for salmon in the Columbia River across generations. Find Salmon Wars wherever you listen to podcasts.